1: Thursday, March 31st, in the year 2022. This is the Mike Abadir Show, and I am your host, Mike Abadir. Hope everybody's having a good last week of March, getting ready to embark upon April, and we all know what that means. It means two things to me. The first one is MLB opening day. Can't wait, super excited for it. We'll talk about that a little bit later. One other thing, a little bit more personal to me, is the NFL draft. And in this year, more than any other year that I can remember, there's so much player movement, quarterbacks changing uniforms, big, big name wide receivers getting traded. Uh, I mean, I've not seen anything like this really in, uh, in all my years of being in the NFL. So much excitement and a big part of that excitement is generated from the NFL draft. It's where uncertainty meets opportunity. It's where young men with notoriety succeed, fail, meet expectations, don't meet expectations and everything in the middle. And some of the most unheralded players are the guys that are coming in as late rounders, as priority free agents. These are guys that you probably don't know their names right now. But I guarantee you, in two to three years, when they make that special play, that late-game sack, that last-second INT, that Super Bowl-ceiling INT like Malcolm Butler, right, Uh, that game-winning kick, that perfect snap, whatever the case may be, those guys are going to be coming from the undrafted free agent group of players, late-round players, guys that don't get a lot of fanfare during the draft but will most certainly impact which teams get to the playoffs and ultimately win the Super Bowl. I'll tell you what guys look at any roster and look at the way it's made up. It's going to always be made up of a lot of players that are late rounders undrafted free agents and everything in between. So Probably one of the most important parts constructing a roster for a general manager is the evaluation process And so what does that all mean for us in today's show? Well I'm glad you asked Because for the second consecutive week i'm going to bring you two of my clients To give you guys a little bit of insight as to who they are where they come from why they deserve a shot And that way, you're going into the NFL draft a little bit more prepared, a little bit more knowledgeable about some of the types of guys that are out there, guys that are really, really, like, just needing that opportunity, needing to seize that moment so that they can get their shot and make it an impact on an NFL squad. So let's get going with that. And start with our very first guest for the show so let's get to it here this is a client of mine who i've gotten to know a little bit over the last few months and what i'll tell you about him is he's he's just focused he's just nose to the grind hard nose focused asks a lot of the right questions but for the most part he just takes care of business and i appreciate him because he works really hard he's open-minded he's willing to compromise he's just doing whatever it takes to be a team player and it's really evident by his character he's a guy that definitely belongs in the nfl roster he just needs that opportunity so we're going to start off with him I'm talking about das turkey from shaw you Dast, what is going on my friend how are you hey how y'all doing how you doing good man how about yourself Everything good. Everything good. real good. Good, good, good. Glad to hear that. So let's let's do this. For those who don't know, tell us a little bit about Shaw. Where is Shaw? How did you decide on playing there, etc.? Uh
2: Shaw University is a, a school in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh H B C U. Um when I left JUCO. I left junior college. Uh, I had an injury in junior college, and uh, I was out of school for a year and a half. And Shaw was literally the first school that, uh, when I had got cleared, the first school that uh, they gave me a chance because my uh, one of my, I call him my brother, but he's a childhood friend. He uh, coached at Shaw, and he told me like, when you get cleared, I got you so Shaw was the first, first would have gave me a chance and I ran with
1: it. Now, for those who don't know, I would expect that most sports fans do know uh, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. Um, we're talking about schools like Howard and Hampton and Morehouse and Tuskegee, Florida A&M, Spellman, etc. Uh, what were some of... Who were, who were like... Your rivals, like the team that you guys kind of hated the most,
2: uh, St. Augustine College and Winston Salem University. Okay, okay, now why? Why is that? Um, well, St. Augustine is literally down the street, five, <laughs> like five minutes away. So that they always been our rival. Uh, Winston Salem, I, I don't, I don't know why they all rival, but that every time we play them you know what I'm saying just the atmosphere would make them our rival they're more of our rival than say no it's just the atmosphere
1: wow and you know what a lot of people don't know as you mentioned some of those teams are you know I rattled off some of the, the kind of more famous, if you will, uh, HBCUs that are out there. But there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them in, in the South and throughout. They give an opportunity for a lot of young athletes to be able to showcase their ability. How would you rate the football overall in your conference?
2: Uh, it's all I know. Honestly, I can say that everybody in our conference – uh we made best or what we I mean what, what 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 we got. Um I think I can say that if you if you play football in our company, that means you really want to play football. That means you love the game. You love you love that you know say everything everything about football is just is because we don't we don't we don't have a lot. So if you are if you playing an outcomes you just love, you love, you just love football.
1: So like uh, a big game give us an idea of kind of like you know how sizable is the crowd are we talking like a thousand five thousand uh, what what kind of crowd it, it comes to these games yeah five hundred to a thousand five hundred to a thousand okay maximum. So, maximum so you can kind of hear the, the yelling on the field you can hear the hard hits et cetera everything yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man that that tells me one thing and one thing only it tells me that you guys love the game Exactly. exactly. Right. You're not doing it for the fame or the fanfare necessarily. You guys just love, love getting uh, it on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now let let's go back to high school a little bit. Where did you grow up? Where Where did you play high school ball? And what other sports did you play?
2: Uh, I'm from Anderson, Alabama. I went to Anderson High School. Um, I played basketball. Um, I played. I mean, I ran track a little bit, and I played. Well, I I did a little bit of golf for two years. But oh,
1: I've been okay.
2: Golf since I was like
1: thir- like thirteen, though. Wow. Okay. It's, it's a big golfer.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so you say just a little bit. I go out there and do a, a couple
1: things. Okay. And uh, are, are you good enough to play like college golf, or, or where's your game at?
2: I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. This is one of those things it's like a hobby. Well, I could just go out there and do it? That's just to just to do something.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. If I, I did put my focus in it, I, I could be there.
1: Okay, fair enough. And in terms of basketball, are you the, uh, the you know the the dribbler, the the, the point guy? You the re- the rebounder, you the scorer, We're like what's your game?
2: I ignore a bit, man. Rebounder and you know what I'm saying, block shots and stuff like that. The uh, I I stopped a reason I stopped playing is because I used to foul out too much. I had got too big for it and every time I touch somebody, they call a foul on me, so I just was oh, like, you know what? This ain't for me no more. <laughs> I got too <laughs> strong to shoot the ball. So I was like, All right, it's time it's time to get us up.
1: Now what skill sets did you acquire, maybe from track, from basketball, etc., that translate onto the football field for you?
2: All oh, footwork, honestly, footwork. Just by you know what I'm saying, because I know. I mean, basketball. It ain't really like a, a, a tough sport. You know, I know how to hit all of this extra stuff. So it's really just was footwork with me.
1: Okay, and. In terms of footwork, how how important is that for you to be able to kinda of get that good get off and and to have that motor that just doesn't stop on, on, on your end uh, of things in, in the position that you play, etc. Well
2: being in the trenches you really have to be quick on your feet. The times like get off and getting rid of getting rid of the office alignment and uh tracing the ball, this and that, you really have to be quick on your feet. So being able to shuffle down the line or chase the ball or anything, you don't want to you know saying Be be tripping on your feet stuff like
1: that. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of on that note, would do you? How do you visualize the game like the night before? You know, are you a big film guy? Have you kind of already scouted who you're going to be going up against and your opponents and what his strengths are, his weaknesses? And and come up with an attack plan like you and your coaches, or like how do you go about it?
2: Well, we do that. We do that Monday through Monday through third. Well, Monday through Friday is when. Okay, I'm gonna just Monday through Wednesday is when we got shit the whole film. We find tendencies and find out you know what I'm saying. What they like to do on this down or what 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 this player do when they doing a certain thing like pass or run. And then we'll get that all down. Pat, we'll come up with a game plan on Wednesday, and then Thursday, what we'll you know, what I'm saying, watch it, go over it. So Friday night, before it's uh, curfew, we'll watch him again, make sure we refresh our mind, and then after that, it's just all all about manifesting and visualizing what you'll do, what you're gonna do at the uh, during the game.
1: Now, have has that worked for you? Like, have you like visualized? Yeah a sack and it worked out the exact same way that you'd visualized it yes a whole lot like I I, I visualized me making
2: a first play and it happened just like that I visualized that a lot yeah, it definitely it definitely
1: helps mind over matter right it's like mind over like matter if you have that positive attitude you could kind of will it to happen right yes sir that's good stuff man so uh, who's who's the best teammate that you've had
2: uh, I really don't have like a best teammate, but if I had like choose, it had to be like uh, my defensive line core as a whole. Like those, they they they, they were my brothers. Like we did everything together. We really had a uh, we really bonded as a unit. So I couldn't say like I have a favorite teammate. It's just be it's my my defensive line brothers.
1: And what would they say about you? We asked them, "Hey, uh, what, what do you think of DAS? What are they gonna say about you?"
2: Hey guys, I'm the most driven and motivated person person they ever met. Like they know that I don't I don't want to sell mediocre. Like I just want I want it all up and to be great. I want everybody around me to be great. Plus, you know, I gotta play next to y'all, so I you want y'all to be on on my level or better. That's really it. Like that's just you know what I'm saying. Say like I'm, I'm I, I drive everybody because of my drive and my motivation.
1: Now, do you do you know? Let me reword this. Do you have any friends that are in the NFL? Uh, well,
3: I,
2: I yes, I do. I, I do have. Cause I, I have. Well, I have a cousin. And I have a, a friend, a childhood friend. his name Tay Davis? We went to the same elementary school. Stuff like that.
1: Now, do you guys stay in touch, or has it kind of been a been a minute?
2: Oh, yeah, well, uh, I mean, we follow each other on Instagram. Like when they, you know, what I'm saying, they like, on NFL posting, and my reposting and stuff like that. We'll talk, top it up, and that'd be it. It okay. wasn't like and really because he was in my 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 brother' grade, so it was just like somebody I knew. Just okay. We went to school.
1: have you had an opportunity to talk like during this kind of like draft prep process and and that type of thing, or have you kind of? just done your own research and guidance you know with you know me your agent and and kind of other things in your own team like how have you approached this whole process
2: uh yeah I kind of did my own research I, I, well, I've been doing research since I was a junior in college so I kind of did my own research uh about this whole process uh I talked to my cousin about it and that's really it like I you know what I'm saying I just Came in like okay. This is, not, this is my life. This is my future. Let me see, what, you know, see what I can do.
1: Okay, now growing up, did you have a favorite NFL team? Uh, yeah, uh, the Raiders. Raiders, silver and black. Of course, that's kind of yeah, like the yeah. most common answer. That is by far the most common answer that I get when I ask guys. And why? What lured you to them?
2: Uh, I think well, the Raiders was my first NFL game I ever watched. Honestly. <laughs> So that that's really all it was to it, there. You know, I like I like the colors. So yeah, growing up, I was you know I was a was a Raiders fan. That was the first game okay. I ever watched, first team and I ever watched.
1: Any any players that kind of stand out for you, where you were like a fan of, or maybe somebody that you modeled your game after?
2: Uh, I say Julius Peppers. Okay. Yeah, that's I, a, good, that's I was, a good comp. I was a big fan of Julius Treffles. Like I was fascinated with him because i was just like, wow, like the stuff that he, you know, say he used to do. And then I, this is before I was playing defensive end, and I was just like, wow, like I used to always see clips of him and watch him. So i was like, dang. And then that's when no, I ended up being defensive end.
1: Okay, you're almost off the hot seat here to ask one more question for the road here, brother. What Got you. What would you want to tell NFL teams about you? Like, why do you belong in the NFL? What do you have? What? Ma- what's your makeup that says, that screams, I'm an NFL player?
2: Oh, my mindset. Uh, like, I always, I've been through a lot of stuff with the game of football, and, like, I never gave up. And I, I, I use that, you know what I'm saying, with playing for bums, Like, Bro, I'm, I'm never gonna give up. I'm always gonna chase something. So it's just my mindset coming in. Like I know, I know I'm good. I, I know I'm good. You know what I'm saying? And I know I could be better. So I, I chase that. I know I deserve a chance. I know who I can be and who I will be. I, I won't. I will I won't allow myself to settle for less. So I would, I would come in with the mindset and, okay, boom, I have a chance and now. So now it's time to make, make make a good opportunity of this chance. So I'll do everything. You know, so I try to do everything right. try so make sure I learn everything, make sure I, I do what my coaches say, this and that, just to make sure that I'm good on my end. Because you know, I don't just, know, I just take I take advantage of every opportunity. I'm a hard-working, hard-working player, hard-working, hard-working man, period. And that just, that just me.
1: That sounds like a winning mindset, man. I love what I hear. I'm hopeful that we got some scouts maybe listening to this, maybe checking this out on demand in a week or two as they start making their final decisions as to who they're going to be approaching for this NFL draft 2022 over here. And uh, I think that's like a really well thought out answer. I think it's the truth and that's why I love it. Uh, That's why I love your chances. Uh, I'm honored to work for you. Let the listeners know how they could follow your journey on social media before we let you go here
2: uh, you can follow me on Instagram at underscore football 41 you can follow me on Twitter at nobody uh, capital Y cap, I mean, capital Y three and the capital T uh, you can follow my Facebook at Daz Danny Sirky Jr yeah I, um, I rarely post but when I do post it's really, it's really about football so yeah, you can just follow me on there and, yeah I hope you'll
1: enjoy. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Best of luck. I'm excited for you. Let's team up and make this happen, man.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you for representing me.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. That is Das Sturkey. Shah, you. Stay with us, everyone. We're going to be back right after this with more 2022 NFL Draft Talk after a few seconds here.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at show.com
1: Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mike Abadir Show. Hope you enjoyed the first segment. Big thank you to Dast Sturkey from Shaw U now we are gonna continue the conversation keeping it rolling here with another 2022 nfl draft prospect that i proudly represent he is from sfu and for those who don't know and it's okay if you don't it's not south florida uh, or uh uh, stephen f austin we're talking about saint francis university and uh we'll talk more about that and and get get a better idea as to where saint francis is with our guest here tanner schmidt he is a long snapper he is a part of special teams you and we'll talk about that in a moment here as well tanner welcome to the show how are you bud
3: i'm doing wonderful thanks for having me mike
1: it's my pleasure we're glad to have you today so let's start with that as i was just mentioning for those who don't know educate us a little bit on uh saint francis where is it how did you end up going there what was kind of a part of that decision making process etc
3: well saint francis is a small division one school in the uh nec conference um it's located in loretto pennsylvania which is a one-road town, um, maybe about 200 yards long. So it's a small town, about 2,000 student body here for the bachelor, bachelor's degrees. And basically how I got here is um, they called me. Uh, growing up through high school, I competed in the Coles camps, uh, Coles kicking, punting, and snapping. Got ranked through them, uh, number one in Minnesota, and um, St. Francis was the best offer I had, so I said, let's do it and
1: what positions did you play in high school because nobody just plays long snapper in high school or typically not what what other positions did you play
3: right so in high school again coming from a small town we uh i graduated with 73 kids but um throughout high school i played fullback uh o-line d-line all special teams um you know, I also played uh, blocking back, so I have a couple receiving touchdowns. <laughs> but um, I, re- I rarely came off the field in high school, and then. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I was going to say, nice were you also the, the play content, caller? I yeah, I was just going to say, are you? Were you the play caller and offensive coordinator too?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't get those privileges. Coach didn't give me those. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you did just about everything else.
3: Yeah, pretty much. I was. I was just that that person that if they needed somebody there. I went there for them. Yes, kind of ma'am. Like a utility
1: <laughs> guy, like a utility guy in baseball. What other sports did you play? Speaking of baseball,
3: uh, well, I did not play baseball. Sadly, I wish I did, but uh, parents never signed me up for that, so I never gained interest uh, at a young age. Now I love watching baseball. But um, I, I did track. I was a thrower, um, threw a shot put and discus, and then I also played basketball up until my junior year of high school.
1: Okay, and I always ask this question. What skill sets did you gain from other sports that have translated well into what you do today?
3: I would say I gained a lot from track and throwing. Um, with snapping, it's a lot like pitching and um, and like the golf swing and throwing. Um, everything starts with the hips, starts from the lower body, and then you learn how to transfer that that power that you generate from your lower body and hips all the way through to your hands. And um, just that body awareness and understanding, you know, the the physiology behind the movements of such uh, movements that are so repetitive Um, and just finding how to fine-tune and tweak those things. And I think um, track really really helped me with that.
1: You know, that actually leads to a question that I was asked to ask of you, okay? So you'd mentioned uh, that it's a lot like pitching, and the visualization that I have is there's a catcher, there's a target, your job is to hit the target, okay? So with that being kind of the visual that we have, in baseball, catchers change the location quite a bit maybe they're looking for low and in high and away nice and tight whatever the case may be do punters ever change their location or are you always hitting that exact same spot throughout the year do they make adjustments and then you have to make adjustments as well or is it pretty much hey this is the way the guy likes it he never deviates so all i need to do is perfect my accuracy and get it
3: there on a line yeah, so I, it's not, I guess, exactly like pitching in that sense. Um, for the main part, you just it's all about consistency um, to the point of with that operation, a punter can catch the ball and then kick it without even knowing he just did what he did. Um, so, yeah, it's basically whatever the punter's preferences is. I mean, I know my first two years in college, my punter liked it up higher at his chest, and now the punter that I just worked with, he likes it more around his hip. Um, it's basically just whatever my guy wants me to do and then throughout that preseason and summer camp we we work on that and i perfect my accuracy for him so so my name goes unknown and so he can get his job done and we can flip field position
1: yeah absolutely i always say the best long snapper is the guy that you don't know his name uh how long does it take you to get synced up with a long snapper to get on the same page how, how much like you're going to have an opportunity, God willing, to be thrown onto a team where you don't know anybody, you haven't worked with the punter before, you haven't worked with the holder before, etc. How long do you need to get synced up with those guys?
3: Well, through my preparation and um, ever since I've been working with Kyle out of special teams, you um, just give me that day, you know, um, right on the spot. If that punter wants me to put it on his right hip, let me know, and I'm going to do it. What's um, on a left? Hit. Let me know. I'll do it for him. Um, yeah, I'm getting to that point where, whatever they ask of me, I'm going to be that yes man, and I'm going to provide what they want. You know. Yeah, man. That's a
1: that's a tough gig there, man. And in, in, in my mind, I'm like, wow. One day, it's all you need. Whether it's a lefty or a right, are there many left hand, uh, left footed punters around?
3: Not, i've never um never played with one uh, would that so be I tricky for you or would throw. that
1: be no 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 sweat no big deal
3: no no sweat i try not to uh overcomplicate things in my head you know ultimately i'm throwing the ball through my legs upside down and let's not overcomplicate it when it comes down to it
1: <laughs> now how different is the angle when you're uh snapping to a holder
3: Not really that different. Kind of just keeping that same trajectory with the ball. Um, With with the holder on field goals, it's more about um, uh, perfect laces. So, how many times my ball rotates? Where, depending on what team I get blessed with uh, to work with and perform in front of, if they want their holder at seven and a half yards or eight yards, you know I I can make those adjustments. And it's all about perfect laces and uh, consistency with that.
1: Now, are you delivering at the exact same speed whether it's a punt or whether it's a field goal, or does it change a little bit? You take something off of it?
3: No, um, I don't really take too much off of it when it comes to to field goal snaps. Um, just placement, uh, rotation of the ball. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep my speed um, consistent with those, um, just so that alleviates one factor into the operation, so we can have the smoothest uh, operation in the in the league Um, when it comes to punt um, ultimately it is I guess you are thinking about getting it back there faster but as far as the the flight of the ball it doesn't change too much
1: makes a lot of sense there so we both had mentioned special teams you a little bit and Uh, this is kind of a a different type of fraternity than anybody else on the football field really Um, it's a it's a tight exclusive group with a a coaching philosophy led by coach Kyle Uh, tell us a little bit about them and what was more appealing about them than maybe some of the other outfits that are out there
3: well it's funny um... Special teams. Do and Coach Kyle reached out to me my senior year of high school, um, wanting to get to work with me. And throughout the years, I never just I never found the time to do that. Something always popped up, as it does in life. Um, and you know, as this year is coming to a close, um, I'm seeing I'm seeing uh, his his philosophy and, and him explaining the physiology behind the snap. And I'm like, you know what? I want to I want to I want to work with this guy. I want to get to know. I want to pick his brain. I want him to challenge me. I want to see how much I can improve with this guy. So over over break here, over winter break, went to Wisconsin. It's only about two and a half hours away from my, my hometown in Minnesota. And I have nothing but great things to say about working with Kyle. He's, he's a wonderful guy to work with. He really understands the snap and the, the physiology and, and the kinetics and the way the body moves and, and what sequence the body should move. And he's trained a lot of elite guys. Um, the first guy that pops in my head is Luke Rhodes for the Colts. Um, I think he's set the standard for what long snappers strive to be now. And, and knowing that he works with Kyle also, it's it bodes well for him. And, and then going down to the pro camp that Kyle held in Florida, um, just a wonderful camp. Um, I think lots of times when you get into these larger group settings with such a specialized position, You almost feel lost in the crowd uh, when it comes to being worked with by the instructor, and Kyle never lost that for a second. Um, It was always personalized. uh, Him and his team, they made sure to come around and make personalized adjustments to you. It wasn't just a mass um, generic statement. So nothing but great things to say about Kyle and and what he's got going on at Special Teams View, and I look forward to working with him much more in the future.
1: Good stuff there. We're talking with Tanner Schmidt, SFU, St. Francis. And I was watching your Pro Day, which is uh, on YouTube. And one of the things that I'd noticed was uh, how, for the first, you know, what is it, maybe three steps back, and then you're kind of doing a a, uh, kind of like a mock block okay and so it kind of got me thinking during the course of the first three downs when we're not talking about punts or field goals the center is the one that kind of is the captain on the offensive line and uh is is kind of responsible make sure the assignments are all covered et cetera. Is that similar for the long snapper when you're snapping on fourth down? Are you, what responsibilities do you have outside of getting the ball to where it needs to be?
3: Well, in college, um, my main objective was get the ball back there and then run down and, and cover. Um, obviously, that that changes um, when you get, once you get into the league at that next level. They run the pro style punt. And and now after going to the pro camp with Kyle at Special Teams U, they they talked a lot about blocking and what my response so basically I I'll be counting the, the guys inside the box, the defensive guys inside the box. And and how and many typically are there just,
1: sorry, how many typically are there inside the box?
3: It's gonna depend on what kind of scheme the 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 punt return unit is gonna wanna run against us. Um, But generally, it's going to be about eight man in the box. Okay. um, Counting from out to in. And depending on which side we're blocking, I'm going to get that four man. Um, So I'll be communicating with the personal protector behind me and and telling him what I'm seeing up at the front line, if I'm going to see if we see any shifts or anything, or if if we see the the four stack behind the three, and then they're going to run a cross cross stunt and – so it's a lot more complex, but I'm, I'm drawing the plays up every night, constantly running through different scenarios when I'm snapping and training. And and Coach Kyle has helped me out a lot with that, too. So now I'm getting to the point where I'm feeling comfortable with it, and, uh, yeah, I'm ready to go.
1: I was going to ask you who your favorite player in the NFL was. You'd mentioned Luke Rhodes, but do you have favorite players maybe of other positions as well?
3: Oh, Absolutely. Uh, favorite player growing up would be Adrian Peterson, man. I mean, being a Minnesota boy, watching the Vikings play. I mean, he just—he was a different breed. He was nonstop all day, running through people, and I, I loved watching that. That really motivated me to play football.
1: Well, Vikings are lucky now to have another bruising back too.
3: Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Dalvin Cook is fantastic, and man, they're—they're they're a fun team to watch because, uh, you know, Cousins you know he gets the ball there he's kind of underrated but you know between uh thielen and jefferson man that there's some skilled players there man that's for sure
3: oh absolutely just got to put it all together
1: now are you a twins fan also
3: i am i am uh so what do you think of the uh
1: offseason i was gonna ask you what do you think of like the carlos correa signing and stuff that was a big splash obviously
3: I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't followed them much lately. I've been, I've been in my zone getting ready.
1: <laughs> there you go. I, I am not at all disappointed to hear, to hear that whatsoever, man. So good for you on that. <laughs> uh, I guess in closing here, what would if, if there are scouts that go back and and listen to this during their due diligence phase, what would you want them to know about you? as to why you belong in the National Football League?
3: I would say uh, my mentality. I've got this never give up, keep pushing forward mentality. And and I'm a team player. Uh, I'm the type of guy who would give you the shirt off my back, give you my last dollar so you could eat, you know. I just, I know my role. And, and I want to, I want to be the best at that. I want to um, provide uh, confidence and relieve stress. uh So when I go onto the field, nobody's worried about the snap. I think that's a huge problem. If if a coach is worried about what's going on with the snap, then I think you're already, you're already behind the one step. Um, yeah, I'm eager to learn. I'm ready to get in, get in there, and learn. I'm a humble guy. Um, always come up with a smile on my face, separate whatever's going on in my life aside from football and, and just, I'll give you everything I've got. And then, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go.
1: Love hearing that, man. That's fantastic. Hey, man, give the uh, listeners a way they could follow your journey as you uh, transition into the national football league, social media, et cetera. All right. Awesome. A free
3: plug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, my twitter handle is at t tschmitty55 and then for instagram it's tanner underscore schmidt 99 so yeah give me a follow and follow mike and i on my journey we're gonna get this done
1: absolutely my brother i really appreciate having you on i uh it's a joy to be your agent it's an honor to be your agent i'm excited for the future and uh you deserve all the best my friend
3: Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure.
1: Absolutely. There you have it, folks. Giving you so many different positions, so many different personalities, coast to coast. We were in California last week, all the way to Pennsylvania and North Carolina this week. Variety of different schools and conferences and mindsets. But the goal is the same for everybody. It's a singular goal. Give me an opportunity. Let me seize the moment. I'll make it happen in the National Football League. So keep our fingers crossed, say a prayer, and hope for the best for these young men. Uh, we are on this journey together, and um, I really enjoy working with these guys, and I'm excited about what the future may bring. We're going to take our final commercial timeout, and we're going to come back talk a little baseball right after this. Become our friend
5: on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers.
4: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at themikeabadirshow.com.
1: Now, back to this week's program. Big thank you to our guests, Tanner Schmidt and Dast Sturkey from the first segment. We're going to talk a little baseball now you know baseball season is starting to heat up when they haven't even pitched a single pitch and i'm gonna get started with the same yankees bashing okay this is not me being biased because everybody knows i'm a red sox fan this is me pointing out the obvious bitterness and scapegoat mentality that Yankees general manager Brian Cashman has. So, let me set the table here. Today, he basically alluded to the fact that they have had a World Series drought, but it's not their fault. He basically was uh, almost hinting, if not stating, that his team would have won the World Series in 2017, if it not had been for, and I quote, illegal and horrific actions by the Astros. He goes on to say, I get offended when I start hearing we haven't been to the World Series since '09." Well, Brian, <clears throat> I hate to break it to you, bud, but you haven't been to the World Series since 2009. And I'm sorry that that offends you. No offense intended. But you have not been to the World Series since 2009. That's just fact, man. And I do find it ironic that this man is calling out cheating. And not that I am promoting cheating or anything like that. But this is a guy whose 2000 World Series Yankees team had eight known PED users. So how about the pot calling the tea kettle black, huh? Like, his kind of cheating is okay, but their kind of cheating is not. Truth of the matter, actually, is that Bob Watson was the general manager that put together those late Yankees teams in the uh, late 90s. So... You know technically brian cashman has just won world one world series <clears throat> and he's been there for a while now now for most teams i think having one world series victory in the last 20 years is okay you know just ask uh marlins fans or you know, how about teams that haven't won? How about, like, you know, the Brewers and the Rangers and, and so many other teams that haven't even, you know, had sniffed an opportunity? Well, the Rangers did get to one World Series, but you guys know what I mean. There's There's been so many teams that haven't gotten there, so maybe for them, you know, getting to a World Series or winning one, you know, in the 2000s is, is respectable. But that's definitely not the case for the New York Yankees. The Bronx Bombers. This is the team with the legendary Murderers Row. Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and Mr. October Reggie Jackson and Derek Jeter. Not winning a World Series in over a decade and winning just one over two decades doesn't work when you consistently have the highest payroll in Major League Baseball. It doesn't work when you have the Steinbrenner family who kind of remind me of like the East Coast version of the Bus family, the Lakers family. Uh, not in terms of who they are as people, but just in that they demand excellence. They demand winning. They can't tolerate rebuilds. They can't tolerate, you know, prolonged inactivity in the playoffs. They don't want to just get to the playoffs as an eighth seed. You know, they want to always hoist that NBA title trophy. You know, the, the Yankees are the same way. You know, George Steinbrenner, who was a owner of a huge waste management company, bought the Yankees for peanuts in the 70s. I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say like $20, $30 million. It turned out to be one of the greatest investments in sports history. And now his family, his sons, his offspring is, uh, you know, handling things from an ownership perspective. <clears throat> and they really haven't been able to get it done they've spent a lot of money but it doesn't take a baseball scout to know that the way they've constructed their roster over the last few years just doesn't produce winning it's not a winning formula it's almost kind of like unbendable in the way that al davis was for a while there where he had his formula and it didn't matter what era or what decade you were in we're going to use that exact same formula to win And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that because the game's always changing. The game's always evolving. The sport's always evolving. And quite frankly, I don't care what the analytics say, but having a slow team that isn't good on the base pass with high strikeouts and a lot of home runs isn't a winning brand of baseball. Simply put. You live and die by the homer. Once you get to the playoffs, you're gonna die by that. That's for sure. And you have to have that sword and fall on it because you can't get faster come October. You can't be better base runners come October. There's no switch where you could just turn it on in October. It's about roster construction. It's about how you build your team. I mean, even when you look at the Dodgers, you know they got some guys that could swipe some bags. You know they're a very athletic, powerful team. Obviously, Mookie Betts kind of sets the tempo, but even guys like Taylor, etc. You know they could they could swipe a bag for you when needed. They've got smart base runners. You know Judge and and Stanton are just so big. They're imposing. And they're huge home run threats. And any at bat, in any situation, they could go yard. Home, road, doesn't matter. These are the, the some of the best home run hitters in the game. But when you have them and Luke Voigt and Gary Sanchez, it, it almost starts looking like the exact same type of player up and down the roster, aside from maybe Brett Gardner. But he's, in his latter years, you know, he's like a 230 hitter now. He doesn't get enough uh, on-base opportunities to be able to steal, to rack up as many bases as he did before, to be able to get himself in scoring position, you know, tag up, etc. So he's not necessarily an effective table setter anymore nowadays. So, back to Brian Cashman. His talking-ish Is a bunch of ish in itself You guys tell me, Yankee fans I'm very curious as to what your thoughts are Is it a valid Scapegoat The Astros Sign-stealing Well, I do know that they didn't steal Signs on the road They didn't have that same mechanism The garbage can Tactics. Um, I don't know, man To me, it doesn't sit well with me I don't like excuses And I don't like them from the top Build your roster better, Brian Cashman And I'm going to leave it at that But I do love I do love, secretly love A little bit of turmoil in Yankee land I'm not going to lie to you guys Not going to lie to you guys That part is the biased part in me The Red Sox in me that I'm not at all sweating how they're getting nervous about this. Because let's face it, the Red Sox have been the dominant team in this division for a long time now. The Rays have done an admirable job, but really it's been the Yankees. Uh, The the, the Yankees have been the disappointment, and the Red Sox have been the favorite. They've now won four World Series titles in the 2000s. Can't take that away from them. 2018 was arguably one of the best rosters, best played brand of baseball. Definitely in the 2000s, but they were historic. Most wins in franchise history and they steamrolled through the playoffs and beat a really good Dodger team. That wasn't the Yankees, folks. That was the Boston Red Sox. Next week, we'll have our baseball prediction show as I've kind of boasted over the years. Don't boast a lot, but I'm going to boast about this. Why not? Uh, We've got it right. A lot, often. Our predictions have come through in a big way. So I'm looking forward to revealing who this year's playoff teams and World Series matchup and World Series champion are going to be. I'm not telling anybody to place real dollars and cents on it, but if you do, you might be happy if history is any sort of precedent, is any kind of indicator, is any predictive model for future outcomes. So, That'll be next week. Um, there's a lot of news and notes. I don't have time to be able to, uh, to get into all of them. I'm happy to see that the Chicago White Sox Tim Anderson suspension has been reduced. Uh, we have some pitchers that have been named, such as Hunter Green for the Cincinnati Reds. Now this guy consistently hits 104 on the radar. He's going to be the Reds' number two pitcher. Um, He's going to get his first start in the majors uh, in the second game. Very excited to see that. He has been their prized draft prospect for a couple of years now. He had Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago. Looks to be that he has rebounded extremely well. And he's going to now have his opportunity in the big show. So I'm excited about that. Uh let's see here. Beavers to start the third straight opener for the Guardians. team formerly known as the Cleveland Indians so lots of news and notes don't have time to get to all of them today we'll be talking a lot of baseball next week we have a great lineup for you guys next week I won't reveal the surprise but you'll be pleasantly surprised with who we've got on our show some big time baseball names so make sure to stay with us next week and we're going to deliver the goods folks anyways that's all the time that we have for this week's show as always thank you so much for listening without you there's no show I appreciate it very much We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone.
0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.